0: on today's Compassion Radio.
1: If you had a child that went next door and threw paint all over the walls and broke the windows out and destroyed everything, what would you do? It must be that you bring that child and say, they have to confess to the neighbor, I did wrong and I will make compensation. In other words, I'm responsible. I did something wrong and that has to be recognized.
0: Dr. James Jennings of Constance International in Atlanta, Georgia, is back with us on Compassion Radio. It's been a while. This is the man for the hour because the things that are happening in the Middle East right now are the things that are right at the very heart of his ministry and his passion for the past, I don't know, half a century. Dr. Jennings, welcome back to Compassion Radio.
1: It's good to be with you, Bram, even in such distressing times as this.
0: You and my predecessor, Norm Nelson, had a lot of distressing time that you shared together on the road, but traveling together made the stress much more bearable. You were great traveling partners, and you had a lot in common worldview and experience and in seeing God's hand at work. So I'm curious to see during this conversation if we can cover some of that ground over the years of what kind of things God did for you in those years that you knew he was showing up and that it was not a lost cause in the Middle East and that there was plenty of good things that God is up to and has not stopped doing. So if you don't mind, doctor, let's kind of rewind the clock a bit. Tell me a little bit about how you first personally got engaged with the Middle East.
1: I went to Jordan. It was in the West Bank of Palestine, Biblical Israel, in 1959, so long ago, on an archeological expedition. I had just graduated from college and got married, and it was a grand adventure. But those days were different. There was always trouble in the Middle East, but nothing like we have seen today. I will say this, though, about our travel with Norm Nelson. We traveled to many uh, trouble spots to many parts of the Middle East to meet all kinds of people of every religion, every stripe of belief. And sometimes we had to actually physically dodge the bullets. Mm. But I think that our faith and the norms and my faith that we shared so deeply together has given us a special love for the people in the Middle East, Indeed. as diverse as they are and as troubled as they are. And that has carried us through a lot of hard times. But it's a difficult, if not impossible, to know anything about the Middle East or to look at the map or to learn about the events there and not to weep.
0: Indeed. And this particular war that we've now seen all over our media is about the biggest thing that's happened since probably 1973, if not 1967, as far as Israel is concerned. The scope, the magnitude of it is even more critical because, as you and I have discussed many times in the past, the Gaza region is not a country, it's not a state or a district within Israel or some other entity. It is a stateless state and surrounded by people who are not particularly friendly to it. Even their Arab neighbors aren't very happy with them. The Israelis have basically turned the entire place into a concentration camp. There's no better term for me than to say it that way. For the past maybe 15 or 20 years since Hamas has been the elected leaders of the Palestinians in Gaza, it has been surrounded and barbed-wired in like any other concentration camp you've ever heard about in history. So what do you do with a nation that is literally a concentration camp? And how do you deal with the frustrations and the desperations that build up over generations in a place where no one's really free to do much of anything?
1: I'm a great one for uh, looking at the historical record and the developments, how things started. I think you said it right when you said that uh, this conflict is basically the same as the Trojan War because mm. it starts with the wrath of Achilles, as Homer said it. And then we also have to think about, that was 1200 B.C. or so, the Assyrian Empire and how cruel they were in 700 B.C., slaughtering people and sacking their heads like a pyramid of grapefruits. And this kind of method of warfare was picked up by ISIS in Iraq and Syria in in 2014. And uh, they killed in Iraq about 18,000 people, mostly civilians, in bloody ways, so that the Hamas people have actually taken that method and uh, expected it to create a political space for them, which it has, because... I counted 80 cities around the world where thousands, if not millions, are marching in support of Gaza and the Palestinians in spite of the dreadful horrors of the murders and the slaughter of innocents that Hamas Because When you talk about slaughter of the innocents, you have to talk about Herod the Great and the Christmas story and the children that were slaughtered mercilessly by Herod the Great at that time. So this is a is a typical and repeating uh, problem in that part of the world, and both sides are are guilty of it. But the scale is uh, huge in the balance of Palestinian loss of life as opposed to Israeli. However, the the Israeli shock was so great that I think a further expansion of this war, now limited to that area, is pretty much guaranteed. It's it's a dreadful and... uh, and horrific and sad situation.
0: Well, let's talk about the what ifs here in a second. But first, let me get your definition on the current crisis. Is it fair to say that Hamas, as some would say... As the elected leaders of the people, therefore, represent the people as a whole. So whatever they choose to do is the people. Like we are living in a democratic republic here. If our government chooses to do something and we've elected our leaders to do that and they make the choices that bring violence to the world, then we should rightly, therefore, be responsible for that. Some talk that way about the people in Palestine. Others would say, no, Hamas was elected once, but they become an instant despot. And they are basically holding Gazan citizens hostage, that they literally are a hostage taking government.
1: I would say that the second view is, is correct, one, your, okay. your articulation of that.
0: And if that's the case, then what should the world be doing on behalf of the Palestinian people who are caught not just in the crossfire, but caught under the bomb path? It does seem to be that the punishment of the Palestinian territory of Gaza has been total that israel is unable to or unwilling to at this point see a difference between the innocent civilian and the hamas militant jihadist group that has created this whole mess this time around well
1: in 1987 and 1989 i saw children shot 100 feet in front of me Hmm. shot in the back and fell like a sack of flour and that image has always stuck with me we were there to help out with the the hospitals and yet we had to endure in 2009 that the cast lead uh, bombing. We had to endure nights under Israeli bombs, which was extremely uh, frightening and, and unpleasant. Then we were interrogated by the Hamas leadership. They're very suspicious, and they are fanatically religious. And so that's a difficult thing. But you're right about the normal civilians in Gaza. They don't have a choice, and so they are under the Hamas rule. Uh now the Israelis are determined to root them out. Uh, the United States is going to stand with them on that. But it seems that it will further prolong the problem or intensify the problem. Mm. So there's never a time in history that hatred and evil have overcome evil. Even one of the uh, American generals the other day said, as Leo Tolstoy told us in many of his writings, only love can overcome Evil. So to see the children dying in the hospitals there without supplies, to see the people impoverished and in the 21st century using donkey carts as their only method of transportation, I mean, all of these things are sad indeed, and one can sympathize with Israeli families that lost their loved ones and their children were horrifically killed and the hostages have been taken But there's more to unfold out of this. And I think it's like dropping a pebble in a pool. Uh, The ripples will continue to expand outward. I'm terribly afraid of uh, an expansion of this whole conflict.
0: Well, let's talk about that potential expansion. I mean, everyone is threatening a wide scale escalation, but they're all saying it's going to happen as if it's something that's passive. Of course, people make decisions to escalate things. So if it's going to escalate, where's it going to come from? Who's going to make the next move? Uh,
1: It's already been made in the north of Israel by Hezbollah in south Lebanon. Of course, there's a long history of that conflict as well. I don't think that it's really possible to understand the war in Gaza with Hamas and Israel or the war with Israel in the north, with Lebanon and Hezbollah. Indeed. I think that in some cases, almost every case, you have to go to the beginning of a conflict in order to really try to unravel it and understand it. What you said initially in this talk is that the Palestinians in Gaza have no nationality. They're not recognized anywhere in the world. They don't have a passport. They have uh, borders on north, south, east, and west, and the western one is a sea. And their airport has been bombed, so they can't leave by crossing the border into Egypt. They can't cross into Israel. They can't cross the Mediterranean Sea. They are stuck there for the last 75 years. And I heard an American general say that he can't understand this conflict except that it is what we would call inchoate rage, rage that cannot otherwise be expressed. And so then I think you have to look at what causes rage. In other words, nobody just innocently on a lark, goes out to murder children. No sane or civilized person does that. And so it has to have a cause. What caused it? Ask that question, and you'll be very
0: near the the answer. Well, let's ask that question. We can't go into every rabbit trail on this one. But you don't put people in concentration camps forever and expect them to remain in a human sense of society. I mean, imagine if World War II was still going on now, if there were still concentration camps that were not being liberated and people were still being rounded up and being pushed there and being called other all the time. There is at least two or three generations of people living in Gaza and in the West Bank, who have been stateless since the time of the Israeli onslaught to take over Palestine back in 1948. Now, of course, the second part of the Balfour declarations and the UN Charter said, yes, Israel deserves a homeland, and yes, it needs to be respected, but so do the Palestinians. It actually was in the document. That part seemed to be kind of imagined away over the past 70, 80 years. I'm not surprised because of the narrative, but. For Christians, this is the hard one. And I've actually heard a couple of good evangelical pastors this past week actually acknowledge that the majority of people who are caught in the crossfire that you don't hear about are the Christians, and that the vast majority of Christians in the Middle East are Palestinian. There's Lebanese Christians who are related to them by blood, And a good percentage of them, maybe 5 to 15%, acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, and they still worship when they're allowed to in their own churches. And that doesn't compute with most Americans because of our politics. But I don't want to shy away from that hard truth that our family is under fire from both directions. Hamas doesn't love them. Israel doesn't like them because they're Palestinians. They must be aligned with Hamas. Hamas is the devil, so we've got to eradicate that. And anyone who gets in the way, who happens to be there in Gaza, is just fair game. That seems to be the attitude we're getting even here in America. But it's very easy to armchair quarterback when it's not your kid in the crossfire. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please, take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California nine two eight seven seven and now back to the broadcast it's very easy to armchair quarterback when it's not your kid in the crossfire so tell me jim if you can what is the key issue here for identity and for community and for the church in these countries that we need to really really take to heart
1: If you had a child, a 14-year-old boy, that went next door to your neighbor when they were absent and threw paint all over the walls and broke the windows out and destroyed everything, what would you do? You would have to not just say the judge can come in and punish the child, but it must be that you bring that child and say they have to confess to the neighbor, I did wrong and I will make compensation to you. In other words, I'm responsible. I did something wrong, and that has to be recognized. It hasn't been recognized. There are 26 towns in the south of the southern part of Israel today that were taken over by the Israeli troops in 1948, and those people were forced from their homes never to go back again and to become refugees. Now, ethnic cleansing is, uh, is against international law. And it's a war crime. But in those days, maybe it wasn't. They didn't have the Genocide Convention in the U.N. yet. But those people ended up in Gaza. And like you say, three generations, they've multiplied. And they all know which town they came from and why they want to go back to their homes there. So they settled in tents and hovels and mud hovels. When I first went into Jabali Camp, the biggest one in the north of Gaza, it's the biggest one in Gaza i was astonished and appalled it was very difficult to sit with families who had had their sons assassinated that very day by undercover squads of israeli people and then the same is true when you see children shot in the back so they develop a rage and then also you have to remember that the islamic radicalism of isis and hamas is exactly the same they dream of a one-world Islamic government, and they think that they're doing uh, a religious duty by slaughtering the enemy. Uh, This is very intractable. Uh, We cannot solve it. We can only trace the history. We can look at it and say, let's pray for those people. Let's deliver humanitarian aid, which is what I've been doing in Iraq and Iran and Turkey and Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Sudan all these years in Israel, West Bank of Palestine as well. So that, I think, is is one way that we can redeem our humanity Mm. by not Mm. just sitting and looking, because uh, war is not a video game. It's not something just to watch on TV and say, too bad. It's, uh, It's something that affects all of us. We should not let the war invade us. Rather, we should invade with what Jesus Christ taught about was the rule of God in this world. The rule of truth and righteousness.
0: Well, you've used the word intractable. When we hear those kind of words, we think, oh, that means impossible. It will never change. And yet we have scripture that tells us that there is a time and a place where God will, in fact, redeem the ages. And all up to now would amount to something in his heart and his economy that will be transformed once and for all. And we think about that being in, in the afterlife. And yet, of course, the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about was not just after you die. It was an encompassing thing that included everything you have been, everything you are, and everything you shall be. It is the reality we're in, which will continue to grow. So God's intention for us through Jesus's words were to make the kingdom of God a reality here on earth and then go from there. That sounds like a theocracy. I mean, There are similar terms being used by extremists all around the world to usher in the golden age, the perfection of mankind, the return to Eden, the whatever. So there's a noble, I guess, sense of God's redemption of the world that we have in our theology. There's also a lot of radical craziness out there that would usher in the best by apocalypse, by bringing horrible things upon people and forcing the issue. I still see impossibilities there. And we still have a word of God that says, no, God's going to fix it. And he's going to do something to bring all men to himself. They seem like incongruous statements, like they're never going to meet. But I don't believe that's the end story. And I don't believe the end story is something that's completely outside of our realm of imagination. It's not outside the realm of our willingness to follow Jesus into the thick of things and make things different. But if it's Israel going in there to kill off Hamas and get rid of this one particular evil, Dr. Jennings, is this kind of a a severe mercies thing where... They'll go in there, and there'll be a huge amount of suffering, but that that particular evil will be ended? Is that the hope? Is that the possibility?
1: It's not possible. It is the hope of the Israeli troops, and they are saying that they will cleanse this. But they ruled Gaza for many years, and they withdrew. And the top PLO leader, I sat in his home in Gaza, and I said, what if the Israelis come back? He said, believe me, they don't want to come back because it didn't work for them. And they're not going to want to do that again. I do think they're going to do what Hitler did to the Judenwagen, trying to cleanse territory. And they're going to do that with the Palestinians in the northern part. They've already started. You see them moving south by the hundred thousand. And that will be an empty territory, which may be more or less annexed by Israel. I think that's a mistake, as uh, President Biden said, and it won't work. But uh, years ago, I was interviewed on a radio program, and one man said, I don't care if the Jews and Arabs throw dates and sand at each other. Uh, It has nothing to do with me. Well, it actually does have to do with all of us. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done and the kingdom of god is very simple it's the rule of god and the rule of god is based in my idea not a theocracy but a (laughs) conscienceocracy where uh, if if all of our consciences were uh, revealed or truly acted on the peace would come to the world
0: well is that a feasible reality could we have enough of a core of people that are subscribing to a certain kind of values that would then put those into action that could tip the scale what would it really take
1: there are only two religions in the world that claim absolute superiority and victory at the end of time eventually christianity believes the knowledge of the lord will cover the earth as waters cover the sea Mm -hmm. and islam believes the same thing about the tide of islam that it will cover the word tide is pretty much what they used in the name of this Hamas attack. It was called uh, the Tufan, or Deluge, Hmm. Flood, Storm of Al-Aqsa. Actually, uh, Netanyahu had sent his troops into the third holiest mosque of Islam in Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa, and uh, clubbed and driven out and arrested the worshippers. So that and the alliance with Saudi Arabia and Israel that the Americans were pushing, Is what triggered this attack by Hamas. They had been planning, of course, an attack for a long time, but they did it now because of those two things, and it will be a long time before stability or peace is restored in the region. I'm very sorry to say.
0: Well, if it's not going to be restored, what is the new peace? What's the new way? Yes, I agree with you that when the Al-Aqsa brigades took on this mantle of saying we are the avengers of this great offense against Islam, against Muhammad, the desecration of the mosque itself, which is kind of analogous for us in Christianity, saying the great cathedrals of Europe or even the pontiff in Rome and the entire Vatican City being overrun and burned, people driven out naked and beaten, that's what they've experienced by the kind of things that have happened inside their own mosques. So, yes, it's a provocation. But it's not everything. Why would they be willing from a insult in their own mosque to turn around and then to slaughter women and children?
1: The only answer I can give is what the American general said. It's such rage Uh, that it could not be contained. And that's a factor of human civilization from the time of the Trojan War until now. It's uh, a sad commentary. You asked a minute ago about what could be done, possibly, that hasn't been done correctly. I think that taking responsibility for the outrages that were done to people in 1948. The Arabs have always said that would restore things. We would accept that if it were corrected. It won't be, I don't believe but that's one uh, possibility. The other one is that the international community should step up and take their responsibility because everybody has known for 75 years what kind of a cesspool the Gaza had become and what kind of a mess it was, and it doesn't help that it's been frequently bombed over 10 times of different campaigns, hmm. and now this time uh, between four and 6,000 bombs were dropped in the last week. Uh, in a small territory. The international community, led by the United States of America, could, in fact, impose a solution on that territory if they wish to do it. They could tell the Israelis, look, you have nothing to do with this. They could tell the Egyptians, look, you have nothing to do with this. They could tell the Palestinians, look, this is something that we want to do to make you wealthy and free. We will give you a nationality. We'll call it Gaza nationality. You get passports. You can travel in and out. You can start businesses. You can make money. You can do all this. What you can't do is attack your neighbor. And you will be as rich as Dubai. It's a fairyland city in the Persian Gulf. Mm-hmm. It's a more fairyland city than Las Vegas. Yes. And it's like uh, Singapore, one of the richest places in the world, yeah. because of the trade location. They get demilitarized, uh, give them a, a, a rights to fly airplanes in and out, and this could be done. And what is stopping it? Well, the United Nations, you say, uh, they struggle over control of things. Right. But if the leading country in the world since World War II has been the United States, why has not any single American administration stood up and said, We want to free the people in Gaza? Everybody in the world knows that this place is a cesspool of the world. Hmm. And that's why the people are marching by the millions in 80 cities around the world right now, including some North American cities. But that's a political solution that is simple for a historian or political scientist to figure out. And yet, Nobody has stood up to say, let's do this. And there is a lot of support for that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, you have to expend a lot of capital, though. Physical capital, monetary capital, and political capital to do something that has not been done before. Well, Dr. Jennings brings a lot of perspective and a whole lot of experience. There's a lot more we need to dig into. And frankly, we need to talk more about how to restore hope in hopeless situations. I hope you join us next week for that conversation. Compassion Radio is still the radio voice of the global church, and that's completely due to the Lord's provision through you. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478 or write us, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.